right, everybody. Welcome back to the Bet on C2C podcast. Welcome to week six and episode eight for us as well. Uh, today, we're going to call this one Bringing the Violence, all because a certain someone decided they wanted to be a duck and caused some issues all this past week and ruffle some feathers. And I'm talking about one of our co-hosts, and of course, that is Mr. Chris K. You can find him on Twitter, at Rose Chris K. How are you doing there this week? Is this because of the uh, Hokies-Carolina game? What's going on there, Chris? I'm good. I, mean, I think what happens is I get good sleep and I get real jacked up after drinking mm-hmm. some coffee. And then I, out, uh, I choose violence. Yeah, it just happens sometimes. It's a, <laughs> it's like a phase of my life because there's times where I'm like choosing love. And then this mm-hmm. week is totally violence. I don't know what's happened, but it, even then my, like my wife will be like, you need to like stop clicking your mouse. Like <laughs> stop singing, stop clicking the mouse. Like, shut the up and just like do your work because <laughs> she she tried to get work done and i'm like yeah. oh, i'm sorry my bad you're like my bad i just want to ruffle i want to talk to these debbie players about how uh quarterbacks it doesn't matter so <laughs> that's pretty fun i'm here for uh, of course we bring back our co-host at ethan Towers, mr ethan welcome back to the show sir i'm glad to see you back and you're caught up with work how are we doing tonight sir man we are we're doing so good we're we're encroaching on that halfway point Really hitting a groove. I think these next two weeks are going to be pretty uh, crucial uh, for the overall bankroll. You know, we're getting to see some same-on-same matchups. We start to know kind of how these teams are looking. So I'm excited. I think we're, we're hitting our, our rhythm here. Yep, we're deep into conference play. Maction is starting up. That makes me very, very happy to hear. And what's also happy is that we finally have our guest today. Of course, he is one of the founders here at Campus to Canton. He's the boss man. He's the yacht cruising, Velveeta loving king himself. Mr. To be honest, Austin Nace at Debbie Dietz. Welcome to the Pedal C2C podcast, sir. Thank you for having me on. I am probably the least qualified person that you will have on the show this year. I feel fairly confident in that. So um, we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm 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 looking for feedback on what I'm going to say today. I think more than like giving out uh, advice that I would uh, uh, like actually pedal to people. <laughs> No, don't worry. Alfred was on here a couple weeks ago, so. Oh, that's you're right. Good. Okay. You're cool. second, second, second least qualified. qualified. <laughs> and he'll, ne- he'll never listen to this either, so he'll never. No, he doesn't. No. Just like we told him the last one, he just, he probably didn't know he was going to be the guest next week until we actually told him in the, in the, in the Slack that he was going to be the guest. He's like, oh yeah, that's right. So there you go. <laughs> but we're glad to have Austin here. At least Austin knows his way around some prize picks and stuff like that. He also can tell you about some of the stuff that we offer at Campus to Canton. Speaking of which, we'll do some homework real quick. Of course, you can find everything that we have at campustocanton.com. Articles, tools, guides, different memberships, and so, so much more. Anything and everything that you want from us is there. Even some of the tools that some of our members didn't even know that we had, right, Felix? So that means you got to have some stuff that's there. Everything that you could want research-wise is over there at Campus to Canton. So definitely go check that out. Austin, since you're here, let's talk to the listeners about the Eden Season Edge, why you think it's something that we put together for it and why uh, I think it's a good idea for these guys to to have this membership. Uh, can you talk to it uh, for the audience for me for real quick? Yeah, so our in-season, and our in-season Edge membership gets you everything that's in our, our top tier membership, our NIL tier. And the reason that we created it for it's just in-season at September through December is because it's cheaper than getting that NIL membership for four months. Um, so you're saving a little bit of money and then we're going to make money for you. Um, for instance, if you use that promo code C2C signing up for prize picks, $29.99 right there, you, bam, free membership. So you get all of our, our, uh, our, our articles you guys are writing every week. 
um, all, all of our betting picks, all that stuff. So I, I think it's a pretty good deal for in season. Um, so, and the people, I mean, Chris is winning people money. You guys are winning people money. Um, I'm, I, I'm staying about 500. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. Uh, I broke even this past week, so I can kind of feel the 50, 50 mark there as well. But Chris took it home for some of us. And I think Ethan even made him some profit. So definitely getting some money, growing some profit. That's what we want. Speaking of that promo code, of course, if you go to prize picks, use that promo code C2C. We get a matching deposit up to hundred dollars. Also that helps you out with the end season edge on there as well. Uh, come support us, but at the same time, come have some fun with us. Of course, this show has it every single week for some of the ones that we like, but there's plenty on the board, of course. If you have that NIL membership, we're going to give you some stuff throughout the week. Of course, you have the uh, good mornings uh, that happen on YouTube where you can see where Chris Moxley will drop some for you as well. But also you get it on the tailgate as well. So there's plenty, plenty of options for you to hear some prize picks options for us here at C2C. So definitely use that code, help win you some money and kind of go from there. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to start with campus picks, of course, with prize picks. I think that's something that all four of us know how to play pretty well, and we've done a little bit more of it, so we're more comped as well. We started with Mr. Chris K and, of course, myself, and I'm liking a lot what I see because all four of us have something very similar. I think oh, maybe boy. Ethan has uh, yeah, Ethan has four of us, four of us coming up, and that's going to be yeah. interesting. We'll have that in the Ethan next slide. Ethan was feel bold this week. Yeah, I, I think he was huh? real confident. Eventually, one of us is going to just throw five on there and said, you know, let's go for it, you know. You know, but I learned my lesson from last season. So, but uh, I went with Michael Penix, of course, uh, Mr. Felix's guy. He's he's having a good season, guys. I have to you know admit that he's gone over the 26 point fantasy points a lot of the time. So I'm going to go with the over, especially against ASU, who's struggling. That's just trying to find some type of identity with Herman Edwards no longer the picture. And then Jaden Reed, who's been one of my personal guys that I've had on Dynasty here at CFF for a few years. Peyton Thorne is struggling, so I'm having a hard time deciding what I want to do. We can go over to K in the receptions because that would make more sense, a little bit more plausible. But for the fantasy points, even with the five receptions, that's only five. If you're doing PPR, that's still not enough if he's not getting the proper yardage, which he's struggling with. So I haven't seen him go over 13.5 fantasy points in like over four games. I think it was like week one or two was the last time I saw that. So for me, I'm taking less on Jaden Reen at 13.5 fantasy points. I'm taking more for 26.5 for Michael Penix. Uh, K, you went Jaden Reed over five first receptions you think because he's the main target there for thorn that's pretty much getting it done or are you worried about coleman uh some of those guys as well i mean i think that michigan state offense is gonna have two guys right and i think both of them are gonna be a clear top two but i think reed's the guy overall right um 13 targets last game he came back from an injury and had six targets the weeks before uh the week before he's not a big yardage per target guy right now I think that's like in part because Thorne is struggling. So like, that's why I, I would never try to like maybe finagle the system and do under on the score and over on the receptions. But I think both are feasible because against Ohio state, they're going to have to be, they're going to be behind the entire time. I think we all agree. I think the spread's like 24 in favor of uh, Ohio state. I think they're just going to have to, they're going to have to keep going. They're going to have to go go, go, go. And that offense is not going to be doing anything rushing wise. I mean, if Kenneth Walker can't do anything last year against them, then I don't expect Berger and Broussard. So I think five reception, I could, I could see like a five reception 40 yard game. 
you know, yeah. six reception, 40 yard game. So I just like the volume there and I like the game script. And that's why I liked that five. I would have loved 4.5, but five yeah. is still good for me. Five is still good. I also want to point out that Ohio State has been much improved, especially in the passing defense. I believe they're now 26, I want to say, against uh, against the quarterbacks right now, which is pretty impressive considering last year Ohio State was a little bit leaky on the defense. You could kind of pass on for sure. You also went with the Dunze. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Jalen Midland here in, the, in just a minute or so, but you have him over 80.5 uh, on there as well. Do you just think Penix is spreading it out enough, or do you just think this might be a, a Dunze-type matchup? going against a weaker opponent or what are your thoughts there i think just another volume play i mean i think they're just going to be continuing to throw it a bunch be successful it's the pac-12 that's what they do right is they just create weird high scoring games 10 targets uh this past week nine before that seven before that he was hurt then 10 before that like you're telling me i need a eight eight yards per target type performance. He averaged 11.4. So like that just felt really good for me. Um, and he had a great, he's coming off a great game. I think he's the receiver one a couple weeks ago with Colin. I, I uh, incorrectly assumed based on him being out that he was uh, not the, not a top two guy and that he's clearly a top two guy for them. And, and Penix is, is awesome. It It's complete shocker. Complete yeah. shocker. He's awesome. At least in college terms. Yeah, at least in college terms. Uh, Austin or Ethan, if you want to chime in, what are your thoughts on some of these? Uh, do you see the game kind of panning out that way? What, what are your thoughts on these? Uh, my takeaway on uh, Jaden Reed, I'm a little bit nervous. Um, I think Ohio State's just going to obliterate them through the air. I don't think they're going to really need to run the ball. I think they're going to hop out to a really quick lead. Um, and I I, my main worry there is that Reed ends up getting benched. I know he's coming off of an injury a few weeks ago. Um, don't know if he's still banged up at all. Uh, if we do see that game, you know, get into 35, 40 point differential at halftime, how are, are they going to keep Jaden Reed in there? Um, we might see a situation, you know, like Wisconsin had uh, a few weeks ago, if they do keep him in there. Um, you know, uh, we saw that big run from uh, Braylon Allen at the end of the game. Um, could see some garbage time points for him. So I would lean receptions over fantasy score, but uh, I, I would be a little bit nervous. Um, but, I mean, it's game script is going to be all, all about them throwing the ball. So can't hate it. All right, let's move on to this next slide as well. This is where we get some diversion here. Ethan coming in clutch with four picks. I like a lot of this. Chevin Cordero, got Aiden Robbins on the ticket. We got CJ Stroud and John Reese Plumley. And on the other side, we've got a little bit of the same thing with Cordero over here as well. Looks like the fantasy score, both Austin and Ethan are, are good to go on the fantasy points there. But he does have Jalen McMillan on more. Let's start with Ethan first. What was your process here in picking these? Yeah, so uh, I, I like getting some of that Wednesday action with the uh, UCF SMU game getting getting pushed over. Um, I think twenty seven and a half. I think I think that twenty eight point over is pretty tough. Um, so I went under on um, Plumley. Um, I think that it could be a situation where uh, you know Bowser steals those touchdowns from him, and he's on the outside looking in from that twenty seven and a half. Um, that's really what you're hoping for is that touchdown variant swings your way with this pick. Um, but I, I mean, I, I SMU is going to 
you make it a shootout. So I just, I think that 28 number is pretty lofty. So I went last on that one. Uh, as I mentioned with Ohio State, I think they were going to just throw the ball all over the field on Michigan State this weekend. So went with the over on 26 and a half on CJ Stroud. I think it's going to be, you know, a five or six touchdown game for him. Um, he's top price, I believe, in, in, on uh, DraftKings this week. Um, and for good reason. I mean, he's he's a slate breaker each and every week, especially with uh, Travion banged up. You know, uh, they've got mine, mine Williams who's doing admirably, but I think uh, I think we'll see the Instagram dictate. I think he's just going to smash them with the uh, with the the pass this week, and he's always good too. You know, he's not the most uh, fleet footed, but he, he can run for one every now and then. So. Um, then on Friday night with that UNLV San Jose State game, uh, I am pumped about this game. I am pumped for some CBS Sportsnet Friday night. You know, it's always a good time. Uh, Aiden Robbins has been just electric for UNLV. Um, I think that San Jose State presents a good opportunity for Robbins to be in the game the whole whole time. I'll play all sixty minutes. Um, I know. I believe they lost Kyle Williams for the year. Um, it may not be for the year. It may have just been a, for an extended period of time, but I know he's out. So they will be relying on Robbins a bit more. Uh, this is another one of those touchdown variance games where, um, you know, Doug Brumfield is going to be the guy uh, outside of Robbins and he can vulture some of those touchdowns away with his running ability. Uh, but here I'm banking again on, on the running back, getting the majority of those with Robbins and going over the 16.5. And then Chevin Cordero, uh, I see Austin's got that one too. Um, my bold prediction at the beginning of this year was Chevin Cordero as a top three college fantasy quarterback. That was lofty. I said at the time that it might be a year early, and I think it was a year early. Um, but Cordero is starting to find his way. Uh, week one against Portland State, they were very questionable on that offensive line. Um, UNLV has a good opportunity here to – get after Cordero, but that offensive line has started started to really solidify, come together, play as a unit. I think anytime you get as many transfers as San Jose State got, you're going to have some continuity issues and, and communication issues early. So that really seems to be taking uh, taking shape. So I'm uh, hitting that over, hitting that more with 18 and a half points for Cordero. I think he's going to have some success in the shootout. I got you. Austin, do you uh, same sentiments with Cordero or what's your thought process when, when you're picking that? Yeah, very similar thought process there where I think that they're going to be scoring a decent amount. I, I think most of their production is going to come through the air. Elijah Cooks has been heating up here a little bit. It looks like he might be his go-to guy. He's he's developing some of that that chemistry here. So yeah, I, I like that Cordero over. I think like I don't, I don't think it's that difficult for him to hit like 22, 23 fantasy points. Like that's kind of like like the floor-ish type of range I would expect from him. So, yeah, I, I that 18.5 stuck out to me like a sore thumb when I saw it. So what was it about Anthony Grant that you liked there in Nebraska? Was it just the fact that anyone that runs against Rutgers is going to go off, or was it a, uh, a factor of just Grant and his performance recently? Well, Rutgers hasn't even been, like, terrible against the run before last game, but Ohio State was just – they're just, you know, NFL talent across that offensive line, and, and you know, their, their stable of running backs is – really powerful as well but for grant so i i i jokingly said that you know like I, i'm not qualified to talk about this stuff but i feel i do pretty well on prize picks um because yeah. i think i approach it from a slightly different angle i play a lot of fantasy points lines just 
from my background as a fantasy you know player that's kind of what i know and how i generally approach a lot of these lines is i'll i'll look at a fantasy total and then i'll kind of look at where prize picks projects their yardage um or like receptions or, or things like that to kind of gauge like one of these numbers is wrong like if they're off you know maybe they'll line up maybe they don't anthony grant's one where i think his numbers this week were off which signaled to me to play the over on this so his rushing total i'm looking it up right now just to confirm but it's his line is over 100 yards which is fair he's gone over 100 yards uh in all but one of his games and that was against oklahoma um but his fantasy point total is at, is at 15 and he's hit almost that just on yardage almost every week he had 189 yards against uh und he had 138 against georgia southern then he had 136 last week against indiana like that's getting him to 13.6 you're just going to bank on a touchdown at that point i actually think nebraska wins this game i think game scripts in his favor so i think that 15 like i think he, he hits 20 pretty easily in this game actually that 15 feels really really low to me i don't know how you guys feel about that i <laughs> i have uh, he hates at... it no, no i love this it's actually scary how much i love this I have him for like 27 points. Yeah, wouldn't shock I'm very scared. Wow. It's because of usage, right? And this is like like 55% rushing usage. He equates to like 27 DraftKings points. Now, to be fair, that is um the with the bonus included. So let's say 24 points. That's so much higher, right? I work with people that say, hey, you know, like I don't bet anything unless the the point or the yardage is maybe 20 or 30 percent higher like that's like astronomically higher so i love that um uh, grant actually cost me money last week because i had under on like the the rushing yardage and he he beat that pretty easily and good i was and i bet it because i wasn't sure what they were going to do that ajay allen guy got hurt and i wasn't sure if they were going to do the whole running back by committee in a sense and they didn't they just kind of just gave those carries to Grant, and uh, it worked out well for him. So I love that play this weekend, for sure. And then we wrapped it up. I had this one, but I got called out for uh, having too many of the same people on the team by a certain guy on the panel here. So Austin had the same one. So tell me about Jalen McMillan and why you think 13.5 is an easy smash over. Yeah, so I actually haven't played this one yet. The only two I've, I I paired up that Grant and Cordero since they're both Friday night, and I figured you know a little you know, bankroll management. Look at me tossing around some of these terms. You know, I get my money back a little earlier if I hit here. Um, so I like McMillan to hit this because again, it's PPR. He's hit over thirteen point five, and I believe four out of his five games, he gets a pretty decent amount of targets there. And the thing about Washington is like the game script in this game against Arizona State probably works like you know they're, they're going to be up the whole time but they don't really run the ball like they can't they don't really have effective running backs on that roster like they try a little bit but if they want to you know continue to move the ball uh, they're going to have to pass it so i think mcmillan gets uh, seven to ten targets somewhere in there if he turns that into you know five catches for 80 yards like you're in the you're in the range so i i, I like that 13.5 over um, I actually kind of liked a lot of the overs. I mean, you guys already talked about um, Adunze, but I, I and um, and Penix. This passing offense, I just don't think Prize Picks is quite caught up to it yet. It's one of those offenses that, for whatever reason, they they aren't pricing these guys adequately yet. They probably watched Penix throw a football, to be well, honest. Yeah, <laughs> they just I'll, I'll watched that. him throw it, but not actually get it completed. Yeah. So it's it's working. 
I love that one too. Ethan, I don't know what you think there, but like, I think from a DFS standpoint, I love a Dunze, like in terms Mm -hmm. of a DFS standpoint, but like, I think the numbers push a lot towards McMillan. Like in terms of you look at targets in the last couple of weeks, right? Like 10 and nine, both of them. And then the, the third week from, uh, third week in the past 10 versus seven towards McMillan, you know, and McMillan was hurt the week before that. Like, I think there's a lot of reason to think that McMillan could have a huge game coming up and Odunze could be like that second guy and everybody's going to be on Odunze. So I think from a DFS standpoint, not necessarily a prize pick standpoint that McMillan could be a really, really nice pivot type of play. Um, yeah. And, and this week or next, it really is. It's coming. Eventually we, you have to just kind of stay true to it and, just follow the numbers. McMillan always feels like the floor play of the two for me personally. Like I think he's just kind of locked in usually with his targets and then, you know, touchdown, you know, the US touchdown variants or maybe he breaks a long one or something. That's not really how they, they use him. So I like 13.5 feels low. Like I just feel like his floor is around 15, 16 points. Like even if I'm playing fantasy, like I don't, if I need somebody to score me 30, I'm probably not starting him, but if I just need someone to score me like 18, I, I, I like slotting him in there for that total. Yeah, I'm interested to see, too, you know, how Arizona State's going to play in the post-firm era. Uh, heard something on – or see, saw something on Twitter about uh, players leaking information to opponents and uh, an mm. attempt to try and get her and fired, uh, which is outrageous to me. <laughs> if, <laughs> uh, if that's not true, that's that's quite the accusation that was going around, but – um, I'm interested to see if they if they step up a little bit. Um, I'm not worried about the matchup. I think Penix will play decently, and I I'm still thinking that McMillan's the the number one in that offense. Um, you know, he's we, we've seen just such up and down, and I think part of that um, is system oriented too. I know uh, when. Um, uh, DeBoer was with Indiana. Uh, it was a um, Hammer, uh, Miles Marshall. Uh, they kind of went back and forth a little bit. Uh, and there was one other uh, big wide receiver. I, I forget who it was, but he... Uh, Freifogel? Yeah, Ty Freifogel. Uh, I forgot that Freifogel. Hammer was at Indiana. Wow. Yeah, Freifogel and, uh, and Marshall really were back and forth, which was really interesting. Um, they'd each have their big weeks. Uh, I think that this is an offense that likes to um, really put the opposite sides of the field at odds with one another um, and just rely on a veteran quarterback who you trust to pinpoint who gets the ball. Saw the same thing at Fresno State, you know, spread that ball out. Uh, with Cropper, Josh Kelly, um, you know, any any one of them could have won off last year, uh, and they alternated like crazy. So I, I'm not surprised to see the sporadic production between these two, um, but I think you're going to have a bad time if you're switching back and forth between them trying to guess the week. Yeah. All right, so that completes our prize pick section, and we're going to move on to Bank on them, which is, of course, presented by DraftKings. We have our DK lineups, and I want to show first for the YouTube audience so they can see both slides just so they see it. And then, of course, for the audience that is listening, I'm bringing up the fact that Max Duggan is dominating all four of these lineups for the most part. Guys, who would have thought that we'd be talking about Max Duggan even now in 2022? 
I just think it's uh, one of those things like we just wanted to go away. We just wanted the Chandler Moore story. We just wanted, you know, we still want Quentin Johnson to be relevant again. That's something that was able to be on the uh, the Ankle Butters podcast with uh, Farnsworth and Owens. And it was just one of those things. It's week six. They're writing up that the breakout is still coming for Quentin Johnson. But I don't know if I'm ready to do that. If you're redrafting the CFF, I think it's time to drop the guy. If you're in Dynasty, I, I think he's, what, a junior, if I'm not mistaken, so he might have a year if he chooses to stay. But he's better off just announcing it for the NFL draft and going and prepping now. So with that in mind, uh, starting off, I did go with Davis at TCU because I still think there's some points to be had, especially in that offense, the way that Duggan is throwing it around. And I think especially against KU, which is one of the probably one of the best matches I'm excited to have, especially, um, then I do see where uh, others have gone. Uh, a little different uh, for me. I took uh, Tulapapa, which is there at Washington. Of course, the former Virginia running back. I think he's got a good opportunity there against ASU. Uh, whereas for over here, I got K with a Dunze going in the flex, going with it. So it looks like we are looking at similar matchups. And then there's a lot of Aiden O'Connell and there's a lot of Chuck Sizzle which I love to see. He's still he's still getting priced. There's, these prices are weird. I think we talked about in the Slack. So. As long as our boy Charlie Jones stays upright and he stays healthy in the entire game, he's going to blow past the $7,000. He's going to probably triple that amount. Uh, Kay, we'll go with you. What's some of your uh, process here when you're looking at I see a Justin Shorter signing, which I haven't seen in a hot minute, so I'm interested in that. What's your thoughts, man? Yeah, I got a little weird here. Well, I don't necessarily stack Richardson by any means, but I do like Shorter, generally speaking. And he's very cheap. Um I mean, they Florida gets very condensed when they play real games. And by real games, I mean like actual – it's maybe a little bit different these days for Florida than maybe 10 years ago. But like South Florida, Tennessee, like they play those teams, they throw to five or six guys. And Shorter's very seemingly at least they're very uh, – the receiver too. And at that – at that price, I'm I'm in on that, right? Like, if I'm going to bank on Richardson being good, like, he's going to be actually a good quarterback. He's either, like, all or nothing, right? So I'm all in on that. Like, his his rushing usage is 35% plus in terms of uh, carries. It's very scary, but it's very doable. And it's very conservative. Like, I've, I've tried really not to try to have him my uh, a lot of my builds and that's just how it is like there's no way around it right um so i'm all i i'd like shorter a good bit and i like richardson a good bit you'll see my article come out in the next day or two that says like i don't like saying this but richardson is one of my top my top quarterbacks on the slate it's scary but that's that's the world we live in even though even over o'connell huh that's interesting well, O'Connell's uh, a little banged up, and his 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 two total is not that high, right? Yeah. So, you know, you any, Richardson any is just such a nice rushing usage. Do you have any worry on the uh, the island game effect for uh, for Richardson getting the uh, the Sunday uh, Sunday slot where everybody could see him and he blew up, and everybody said, "Oh man, this this Florida offense is pretty great." I don't know if you watched any of it, but uh, right off the bat, two plays. Uh, from scrimmage, and they opened up with two touchdowns in a, in a row. Uh, a long bomb from Richardson to, to Shorter, and then uh, it might not have been immediately the next play, but it was like a three-play drive. It was bang-bang that this offense was was clicking against Eastern Washington. So I worry that people see that, and they're like, oh, man, yeah, let's get back on Richardson. I don't know. I 
I feel like all of us have been fooled enough, you know, like you'll get your, your, uh, your random players, your, your neighbor next door playing type. I think that would fall to that for sure. But I think enough of us have been burned by Richardson on a, a plethora of weeks where I don't know if that uh, that plays as much of a part, but that's scary to think about. So I appreciate you bringing that up. See, the the shorter play, I, I can't get behind. I mean, it's definitely a way to differentiate that Richardson because I think you're going to see a lot of naked Richardson in lineups. But, oof, I mean, I'm a Penn State guy. I've seen Justin Shorter play. You have. Bad, bad, bad memories. <laughs> I do like the white play, though. Is that because you wanted to create space for Bijan, or was this more like you're seeing something in white at Texas Tech, even with Donovan Smith at the helm, that you're okay with? Well, this is purely based on Miles Price, right? Like, Miles Price left last game around halftime. I was watching at a bunch of Miles Price. And (laughs) this is one of the things where, like, a lot of players look the same in a sense. And I thought Miles Price was getting a bunch of targets, but no, it was Xavier Price. Because he was 14, not one. So I wasn't seeing the four necessarily. But uh, wait, uh, White was getting so many targets. Like, I think he probably saw five or six targets in the second half once Price was out. At that price, if you're telling me he's going to get six, seven, eight targets in a Texas Tech offense in that total in that game, like, I'm all in on that for sure. Like, it, I will have to... Projections are so high on this, assuming price is out, that I will have to actually lower it. Like I will have to go in and manually say, no, 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 he's not gonna do he's not gonna do this well. Because I will get 80, 90%, which is just not a number I play, like in terms of my overall lineups. So it's purely based on price. If price plays, then white is a five percent or less at best. He slotted right in. Saw a ton of targets. We saw what Miles Price did the week before. I think it was 17 targets. Like, it's hard to pass on that one for sure if Price is out. Yep. I do think, uh, especially with white and shorter, that definitely would be like a, a separator for sure that would give you lower percentage. So, if it hits, you're automatically in the running for the top prize. So, I think that would be pretty impressive. You did go with Donovan Edwards there. Of course, they're playing Indiana. Of course, I think that's a given why you would play him as well. But uh, Edwards, you know, seems to be back pretty healthy now. Do you think Corm just because the the defense that they're, you know, Corm's going to get his play and then Edwards is going to get a slice of the pie too? Or do you just think this is more of an even shot against Indiana? What's your thoughts with Edwards going in this week? I mean, I love Corm incredibly, like way too much. I'm a Michigan homer and I love his usage and as a big play guy, and uh, I mean, I'm going to have a ton of him. But I think Edwards is an amazing pivot. If you're not using Corum, you should seriously consider Edwards. How is Michigan going to score 35 to 45 points? They're not the defensive, like super studded defense from the years past. Um, special teams either. So like they're going to score an offense. You got to find a way. If you're not playing Corum, you should try to pivot in some fashion. And Edwards is an elite pivot to that. Um, I think he saw maybe four or five targets in the air. He had five targets last or five carries last week. Hmm. So and I always knew that Corum would have the majority of carries, and he's basically been about 70, 75% two weeks in a row, one week with him out, one week with him in. And uh, I, I love both. 
I just love Edwards as a pivot. So if you're not using Corum, which I wasn't here because I went Bijan um, and Odunze there, I decided to roll Edwards as a, a second running back. Yeah, I think that's a good play to go with it. Uh, before the bring up Kincaid and Judkins on my lineup, I want to bring that shortly because Austin also has them on there, so we can talk about that together. I want to bring up Rocket real quick. Rocket Sanders, of course, Raheem. Uh, of course, going up against Mississippi State, I think it's going to be a decent matchup. Uh, a lot of people are off. I'm, this is my theory is that they're going to be off because of Arkansas, you know, struggling against uh, against Alabama and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that people kind of forget about Rocket, but then Rocket returns more to form. 6,200, I thought that was a good flex play. What's your guys' thoughts there? Do you think there's better options out there? Do you think Rocket kind of – because it's 6,200, so I'm assuming that he's probably going to have worth his his investment at least. So do you think he hits that, or do you think he goes over or kind of hits chalk? What are your thoughts there with Rocket this week? I like the uh, game script for him. I think he's he's probably going to get passing work and have a nice floor, um, you know, going up against that Mike Leach offense with Mississippi State. Um, yeah, I mean, I – I think there are plays that I preferred on there, but I sure. have no problem with Rodney Sanders for, for any, any play. Gotcha. All right. Let's move to the next one. And uh, let's start with Austin first, because he's got some guys on there as well. I want to talk about Don Kincaid. Uh, I understand because I also picked Kincaid. Great price point. A lot of people forget that you could play flex or wide receiver with DK with the tight ends because they don't have a tight end designation, which is fantastic. And I think he's the focal point. And against UCLA, I think it's necessary for them to kind of keep uh, with the game script of UCLA, especially with DTR, Jake Bobo in the mix. Was that the same process, Austin, when you were thinking about Kincaid is as he's like that main target and running back issues going on with Utah kind of kind of leads you to that, that, uh, that thinking? Yeah, and the thing for me is I think he's almost guaranteed to score like almost guaranteed just because this Utah offense, like they, they target the tight end so heavily, especially in the red zone and his compatriot Brant Queeth out for the season here. Now he scored one last week. He scored two the week before that. Like even if he doesn't get a ton of targets and he usually gets, you know, four, five, six, somewhere in that, that range targets, which I think is decent for, uh, I think is decent for a price this low. Correct me. I, I, I honestly don't know. It seemed decent to me. Um, with, with uh, I, I feel pretty confident in a, in a touchdown gets me double digit points with him. I don't know. That seems pretty good to me. I, I could be totally off base on that. But the fact that one of the rest of you played it first, because I put mine on the sheet first and I was like, this has the potential for them to just laugh at me for 20 minutes. But but one of you also went with Kincaid. So I'm hoping this was also your thought process. No, I just think the price point's perfect. I think he goes over that and gets your value back ten, not tenfold, but definitely double for sure. I think it's worth the the stab there for forty four hundred. It also gives you some of the higher tier guys that you can kind of go after, uh, which is something I'm always for as well. I want to talk about Quinshawn Judkins, of course. Shout out to Mr. Matthew Brennan. Of course, I give him his credit where it is due. He was the first on Judkins, or he's the first one on the guy that got to it. Whichever the case, he was on top of Judkins, but uh, he's just proven to be his weight in gold. And they, and it sounds like DraftKings is just not catching up to this guy's price point, regardless of how much they give him, whether it's 6000 or 6400 or 5000 when he first started. He's over every single week going over what his price is worth and kind of doing it. So I definitely agree there uh, against Vanderbilt. So uh, Ethan or Austin, if you want to talk about Judkins and why you chose them this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, Judkins is just – smashed so far and um, especially for the uh the pricing that we've seen on DraftKings and with 
the expectations we had for him coming in freshman year. Um, obviously, with Vanderbilt, you assume that Miss, uh, Ole Miss is going to be able to jump out to uh, a decent lead. Um, I believe I, I saw that Zach Evans was a little bit banged up. I don't know if I if if that's correct, but um, you know if we we know that either way, Evans is going to have want to manage that workload. He's not going to be the workhorse. Um, we're going to get a timeshare. Judkins has, you know, come through with some big splash plays, so I'm not really needing a huge volume from him. Um, at 6,400, you know, you're hoping that you get that. But, you know, two touchdowns, and even if he doesn't hit that 100-yard mark, I, that, that's value for you. So, um, you know, I, I think he's got a good shot. I think uh, game script is going to line up for him. Uh, this isn't Vandy of, of yesteryear, but uh, if anything, you know, maybe that, that helps his, his value a little bit. If Vanderbilt's able to, to get some some points on the board, that means that the first team and he and Evans are both first-team offense there, so uh, they might get some extended run. Yes, sir. Love yeah. some Judkins. Yeah, it, just to toss out a couple things that I was looking at, you know, Mississippi has run the ball ninth most in the country to this point. Um, so, like, I think regardless of game script – which I think is going to be in their favor, like you were talking about. I think regardless, he's going to get volume. The whole team is going to to run the ball. And the thing about his performance is that it doesn't seem like he's a freshman. Like you think that he's backing up Zach Evans. Like he's probably what he's doing is unsustainable based on the touches that he's getting. It's not at all. Like he, the last three games, 19 for 98 and two against Georgia Tech. Like it's not like he's averaging like 18 yards a carry or something. Then he went 27 for 140. It's a 5.2 average and two touchdowns. And then this past week, 15 for 106 and one. It's not like these have been like outlier performances and you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like he is a part of the game plan. He is getting a fair amount of touches. They use him for full drives so that it's not like they pull him in the the red zone Mm -hmm. or things like that. Um, And he does get the occasional target. So I, I really like him this week. I thought his price um, was was just too low against a Vanderbilt team that I think, yeah, it's, they're, they're probably going to be outmatched at the end of the day. Yeah, I really like Judkins as well to add on top of it. I think at this point, I think he's the, I think he's the RB1. I think he's eclipsed Zach Evans. I, Zach Evans has come in with a lot of hype, and rightfully so at TCU. was awesome in small spurts. Um, but he's been banged up and Judkins has just come. I think it's one of those Wally Pip situations where he comes in and he is amazing and he's a freshman versus a guy that's going to go to the draft sooner rather than later. So if you're laying, you know, if you're laying Kiffin, why not? Right. Invest in Judkins and keep him happy. Um, and like Austin said, like he's getting usage in all facets. He's getting usage in all types of games it's not blowouts he it was a 1a 1b and now it truly becomes like it feels like he is the 1a uh and vandy's vandy right the 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 total is like so high where you know do you feel that comfortable banking on Ole Miss's passing offense to get some of that touch the touchdown equity not really right like I don't, I don't think Lane Kiffin does either right like, I, think I mean he knows where his bread's buttered at this point yeah, I mean, why not, right? Like, even if even if you just bank all on Evans on Jud in Judkins, you're splitting between two, which is totally fine. But the total is like 35, 37, so there's plenty to go around. I don't. I like Jackson Dart. I was. I've been hoping that that gets better. I like Trig. 
I have always liked Jalen Robinson. It's not turned out well here at Ole Miss. But I think Judkins at this point at 6,400 is about as RB1 as it gets. So big fan. Is this one of those uh, situations where everybody on game day picks one team to win and then we turn around on Saturday afternoon and realize Michael Triggs scored four touchdowns and Judkins has 12 yards? (laughs) Well, I think the thing there is – Triggs's yards per target's really pretty low at this point. It's like oh, six yeah. point something. So like he'd have to get all the 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 end zone, red zone type stuff. Is it possible? One hundred percent. He's already done it, right? Um, but is it likely? I'm just saying, with all four of us on, uh, on that's what it, and, like in that play. It's one hundred percent everybody When everybody's on somebody, it's scary to be on him as well. Speaking of scary, let's talk about. Mr. Braylon Allen, I understand because of the game script. It's Northwestern, so it's like, hey, you're just going to run on Northwestern. It is what it is. Maybe he's looking for a revenge game. At 8,500, I'm a little nervous, Ethan. Tell me about the process of picking Braylon Allen there. Uh, Is he chalk for you just because of the matchup, or is it – are you not worried about the price point there? Scared money don't make money. That's that's the model. That's right. We're uh, we're playing tournaments, and we're looking to leverage some – some ownership. Everybody is going to see that two-yard performance that he turned in last week. Uh, I am a huge Jim Leonard fan. I think he is going to really have that locker room fired up, ready to play this week. Uh, defensive coordinator turned interim head coach. Uh, I've heard some rumblings that Barry Alvarez was hearing some rumblings that Jim Leonard was going to be looking elsewhere for a job at the end of the year. And that may have played some factor into the decision to let go of Paul Christ. So um, I really think that Leonard is going to get these guys fired up and ready to go. I think he knows Wisconsin football. He played there for four years. He was a great safety in his day. And he is going to return that identity of hard smash mouth Wisconsin football. Uh, And there's, there's really no team better to do that against than Northwestern this year. I know Penn State struggled a little bit with them last week, but the weather was a huge factor in that game. Uh, freshman running backs couldn't hang on to the football, and, I mean, there was there was issues there. Um, but this seems like a classic get-right spot for Braylon Allen with an opportunity for depressed ownership. I am I'm loving it. I, I really think that he's going to have a good game. If he doesn't, you know, that's, that's part of it. But if I can get Braylon Allen – Sub twelve percent ownership. I'm I'm happy here. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on our, our guy Mecca Abuka, of course, with the the hit or miss and if JSN is playing or not. This is the great thing about Ohio State. They have so many weapons that are NFL ready. You know, out of the get go, that they can afford to just let JSN you know rest and get better. This is his year before he, you know, graces us in the NFL and stuff like that. So he's in no rush, you know, to come back banged up or anything like that. So. Mecca Buka and a couple of the others have been the target for CJ Strauss. So I think this is perfect. It's 6,700. I think it's criminal. I think uh, he'll go well over this, especially against this mismatch where our Michigan State looks like a hot mess express. So I definitely, you know, I think this is a good game. This isn't one of those games like last year where it was a little bit closer than what we thought it was going to be. I think this is the Ohio State train. You just kind of keep on rolling. So I definitely like that there. I want to touch on some Tennessee wide receivers. There seems to be a variance, and I think I know why on one of them. But let's talk about Mr. Jalen Hyatt. Uh, I don't think we still have Cedric Tillman back yet. So until his return, 
we have Hyatt and Mr. Brew McCoy, a uh, fan of the show. Uh, <laughs> that we have avid listener, avid listener, uh, Chris K enthusiast. He's he's quite the guy there, Mr. McCoy. Uh, so you went high. Uh, do you just think it's the safer play? Or are you just not trusting Brew to go over the the projection? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, with Tillman out, I think that it's a situation. I think Hyatt is going to be the leader in targets uh, while Tillman is out. Hyatt seems like he is the possession receiver. Brew seems to be the go-up-and-get-it uh, target. Um, I think that, you know, Tennessee may struggle a little bit moving the football against LSU um, just compared to what they've been able to do and the fact that Tillman is out. Um so I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. I think that Hyatt is going to be uh, able to rack up, you know, eight, nine catches in this game. I think he's going to really benefit from uh, a higher workload. Um, but it, it is a little bit of whack-a-mole with these two. I think any either one of them could have a nice game. Um, one of them needs to have a big game if Tennessee's going to win. Um, but this is kind of like... Uh, the Agbuka play in my mind, you know, with Agbuka, I'm really just looking to get a piece of that offense that fits in with my salary. Um, I went Hyatt here. I think he's going to have some lower ownership. I think McCoy is going to be popular after he had his big game um, uh, against Florida, I believe that was, um, and he was able to to pop a little bit. I think he's going to be popular. Um, So going with Hyatt, I think you have the benefit of a little bit of lower ownership and Hopefully, um, a pass-heavy script, he gets the larger chunk. And Austin, for the record, he, why choose Brew McCoy? You're, uh, uh, we've been avid non-Brew fans. Uh, why the change of heart, good sir? Yeah, so I'm actually not a Brew McCoy fan either. I argued with <laughs> this slightly about Chris, and I knew there was no chance in ever changing his mind about this. So I just I said like my one-line piece, and that's it. I don't know if Brew McCoy is actually good at football. Like when, when Tillman and Hyatt are healthy – He's mostly a non-factor. You have to hope that he's just, you know, one of his three targets is a touchdown in the red zone somewhere because I just don't think he's a very good football player. There's a reason that he's bounced around a little bit um, beyond some other things. I, I, but, but regardless, I thought he's cheaper than Hyatt. And this is one of those instances that I love in fantasy football where I think uh, Ethan and I were working on the exact same wavelength and then we got to the conclusion and I just have a totally different conclusion than he does. Like, I think they're going to pass the ball a lot in this game. I think that Hyatt is the possession guy, but McCoy out-targeted him the last game when they were both starters here together. Uh, And I think McCoy basically steps into Tillman's role more or less. Like, he's the only guy on that team that can really do what Tillman does at this stage. Like, the rest of their... Their receivers to get him like Ramel Keaton, whatever he's he's like Vellish Jones, like he's been there for forever. Uh, you have Hyatt, you have some of these other guys. Like he he steps into that role the best. So I think um, you know last game as like the the guy five catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. I could see a similar performance in this one: five to seven catches around 100 yards and a touchdown. I like that at that value, um, and so I I like him while Tillman is out to to fill that role. I I just don't. I don't love Hyatt. Speaking as a completely unbiased participant here. <laughs> of course. Um, I actually, if everything was all the same, I would go Hyatt 100%. I think he's going to more more often than not get the higher target share. I think, there was, like, I think the completion percentage is higher because I think Hyatt is going to be getting those easier, shorter receptions. 
Hyatt has shown to be able to score. But I, I but I do see why people like Bri- uh, Brew, right? Like Brew is an outside receiver, right? So is Tillman. So and Tillman was the receiver number one, right? So in this type of offense, it's not unheard of to have an outside receiver be that guy. So in terms of that, I don't have any issue with that. I just think I've always been a little bit high on Brew for sure. And this is not from an NFL standpoint, right? Like in terms of a college standpoint, receiver threes, even hypo offense are great options. Um, He does feel a little stiff. He does feel a little one dimensional as a receiver. So like from a draft status or standpoint, I can see why people don't like him for sure. It's more usage. It's more Tennessee running plays every seven seconds type of thing. So I think you'd be crazy not to have a piece of either for sure. This is going to be a sneaky, I think between Jaden Daniels, I think between these receivers, uh, Malik neighbors, if you want to get real crazy, you can Keyshawn Boudet, Hendon Hooker, right? Like I think all these guys are in play because I think Tennessee is going to push LSU to a point where they have to keep going, right? Like they have that offense has to go faster to keep up. Um, so I like a lot of guys in this game to some, in some regard. Um, so I, I'd like Hyatt more in a vacuum. I don't necessarily see myself getting a lot of them period. Sh- shamelessly. I don't see a ton of brew in my future on Saturday. I don't see a bunch of Hyatt in my future. You it's are just such a heretic. Yeah, it's more of a volume thing, you know. Like even if I project, even if I project brew at like 20, 23% of targets, that's super aggressive and is also not a crazy number, you know. they Tennessee's pretty effective on the ground. Hooker is a great running quarterback. So there's other aspects to it. I definitely think both are amazing um tournament options and I think that's a I think this will be a great game stack that people the whole weekend, I think the the maybe the topic or the the theme of the weekend is game stack, right? Between TCU yeah. and Kansas and uh, all the T, uh, Texas Technical State, all these different games are going to have amazing game stack opportunities. And I think people are going to shy away from LSU Tennessee because Jaden Daniels doesn't have a true receiver one that's amazing. It's going to put up a huge game. And Cedric Tillman's out. I hope Cedric Tillman's playing, to be honest, because I don't think he's going to play much at all. I think he'd be super limited. Um, but I think that that one's going to fall a little bit to the side and be under-owned for sure. So I think if if you're playing tournaments, you should definitely have a, that game stack in at least once or twice. My early I, week exposure has had way too much of Jaden Daniels in there. I I used to love Jaden Daniels. Freshman, freshman year Jaden Daniels was my guy. I have too much of him this weekend. I know I do. I 100% agree. This is sneaky, sneaky game stack territory. I love it. I don't have fancy projections, um, but when I was debating doing this, the two games that I was looking at the stack were that game and it ended up settling I, on the, the Purdue Maryland because I think that game ends up being a little high, more high scoring than um, the, the line is at right now. But those were the two games I was looking at, that, that ten, Tennessee LSU, and I almost – uh, played that instead. Yeah, Austin, uh, completely out of left field. Do you think 
Anthony Richardson from a college fantasy football standpoint is similar to Jaden Daniels in terms of production, in terms of what kind of upside he has, floor, whatever, right? Like, do you think they're pretty comparable? Because Richardson went for 40, and I'm not saying you, you're anti this, by the way, I'm just as a talking point. He went for 44 fantasy points against Tennessee two weeks ago. So if you think that's possible, then it's a huge game stack possibility. Yeah, I think Daniels is the lesser rusher, although they like to use him in the red zone, which certainly helps with his rushing touchdown upside. But I think his targets are so much better, which has kind of been why I'm not particularly high in Anthony Richardson this year, uh, like on a macro level, not like a, a micro, you know, game to game, because he's throwing like we're talking about shorter and and Pearsall. I kind of like Pearsall, but like that's your best receiver at Florida. Like I think Daniel's targets are, are significantly better. So I do like Definitely. from like from a micro standpoint, I probably prefer Daniels on a week to week basis for the C on a macro level. I might prefer Anthony Richardson. It's a very bizarre kind of dichotomy between those two players. See, and the thing with Jaden Daniels this week, he's going to be two and a half percent on because he's he's more expensive than, than Duggan this weekend. Uh, he's 74, 73, he's 7,300 this weekend. That's aggressive to say the least. So I, he's also I, banged up coming off a game that he completed like eight passes for like 70 yards. <laughs> I love it. So I love it's that, never man. a great situation. <laughs> that, I mean, that's the kind of like really gross bounce back spot that you look for is, is a, a week like this. So. Yep. Man. And I mean, I I don't hate that Purdue Maryland game either. I'm just worried about what pieces are fully healthy going into it. Yeah, yeah. scared good... money don't make money. Wise man yeah. said that to me five minutes yeah, ago. There's, so. there's, there's a guy that, that says yeah. that for sure. Speaking of that game, let's talk uh, Austin about going with Tolia there uh, against Purdue. You're just loving the matchup. Uh, do you like the price point? What was it about uh, Baby Tua that you enjoyed as far as picking him say over a Max Dugan? What was your process there? Yeah, I mean, I like the amount that they're throwing the ball around right now. They're not super. I mean, they, they're they're effective in in certain spots running the ball, but I mean, they they pass the ball. I think they're a top twenty in terms of pure passing volume team uh, in the country at this stage. Talia's pass attempts over the the first five games here: 34, 31, 23, uh, 30, and forty one. Like, I think he's going to get the volume. I didn't love any of the receivers, which is why I did O'Connell and then paired him with Chuck Sizzle because, of course, why not? Especially as you were talking about earlier with with Jones's uh, price point this week. Um, but yeah, I think this is a sneaky game that could end up being like I don't know, like forty to thirty five or something in that range. I'm, I'm not like banking on that, but I think you know, from the my limited knowledge of this stuff in terms of play, you're kind of trying to if you can find that stackable game that maybe scores higher than people think, then then that that's your your path to winning i think this week this this game could be that game um so i like talia uh, in this matchup yeah i think you did really good about going outside the box and separating yourself so if you were to put this in there i think talia probably has a little bit less percentage owned especially over dugan uh so i think that might separate you you know if it, if he does decide to go off so i think that was a pretty good play there i want to touch on javante barnes over there ethan one of my future freshman guys, I enjoy seeing him on the roster there. Was it the factor of Major still being a little bit banged up and he's playing, or is this because Eric Gray's out of the picture and you just think Barnes is going to take over this uh, this backfield here shortly? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an all-of-the-above scenario there. Um, you know, he's same price point as, as uh, Kincaid, so 
definitely considered Kincaid in that flex spot. Um, you know, something about the the Red River River rivalry, though. You know, it's a game where they stars are born. Yeah, it is. It is one of those games where you know something unexpected, somebody unexpected steps up and, and is made the hero. Um, Javante Barnes has looked solid in the work that he's been given, especially last week. Um, OU, it's kind of kind of gross in the past past few weeks. Um, I think that you know everyone's going to be up for 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 Texas Texas State Fair. It's a it's a great time. Uh, I just I like Barnes's Barnes's opportunity at forty four hundred. Um, if Majors and Gray are still banged up. Um, I mean, he's looking at a future role in an offense that is going to run the ball more than they throw the ball. Uh, and I think they'll want to try and keep Texas off the field, especially if Ewers is uh, healthy and, and playing in that one. Um, so I, I like I like Barnes there. It was a little bit of a price point uh, uh, to squeeze him in uh, with him and Nehemiah Martinez there. Uh, I know that the um, – Xavier White play that Chris had mentioned uh, is another low, uh, cheap cost play. Um, I think Nehemiah Martinez is a little bit more consistent than Xavier White. Uh, White has, uh, he got, I believe, 10 targets last week. Um, Nehemiah Martinez, I believe, came in around six. Uh, But Nehemiah Martinez has had six, five, seven targets, you know, the last four games he was the one who uh, stepped up when miles press went down i believe against houston um so i think it's a situation where we could see more martinez and martinez has scored touchdowns um so we're looking for three or four times uh the salary in terms of of value whenever we're plugging guys in so we want you know 12 points for me and my martinez i think on six or seven targets i think that's highly doable um, so I like him and Javante Barnes there as some some cheap plays to be able to get up to Allen, be able to get up to Hyatt. Yep, I do like that as well. On the other side of that Red River rivalry, of course, Austin going with Xavier Worthy. He's he's back, right? We finally see signs of life, and now he takes on a team where you know we don't we're not sure about the uh, the quarterback. We're you know we're not sure what's going to go on that side, but we know. It's probably going to get played close regardless. There might be a shootout potential here as well. Was that the process? And the price is beautiful for Worthy, 6300 So a lot of people, I guess his early production kind of scared some people off. But now at 6300 I think this is a steal, man. What, what was your process with Worthy this week? Yeah, a couple of different pieces of information kind of factored into the selection. One, I thought he was a little more banged up than I think he actually is. Last week kind of showed that with his production there. I am working under the assumption that Ewers plays in this one. When they were together, Ewers and him in that like basically that one quarter against Alabama, um, he looked Worthy's way often. He looked Worthy's way often deep, and he looked Worthy's way often in the red zone. So those are great places, especially because Oklahoma, at least the past couple weeks, has been giving up some explosive play opportunities. I think there are some of those there for Worthy. Wouldn't surprise me if he he has a real long one and then uh, gets quite a few targets elsewhere. And the price was just too too low to pass up like i i looked at that and I, I think this this game red river red river like you guys said like i think this will be it has potential to be pretty high scoring um so so i really liked him here and then tell us uh 
why you went with uh, Dominic Richardson there at o- Oklahoma State. I think of the kind of sells itself there uh, at seventy one hundred though. Uh, were you concerned? I mean, I know you you don't really uh, you know get the uh, the pricing and stuff like that per se, yes. but at the same time, hey, uh, seventy one hundred is still pretty good. I still think he can overtake it. Uh, what do you like about Richardson against Texas Tech? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about pricing, but I looked at Braylon Allen's price point. And I looked at his price point, and I think there's a chance that they get similar volume. Um, I think that the the Texas Tech Oklahoma State game might, you know, there might be some more plays run in that one, which I think works in Richardson's favor. And I think like a, a big game is just coming for him. Like he's getting the volume. He had one touchdown last week. Sanders uh, had one as well, but he had 25 carries last week. Next closest guy in that backfield was Ollie Gordon with five. Like, I think regardless, he has this job locked down. He has the volume locked down. Um, so I, and like, I, I just think eventually, like I said, he's going to have like 130 and three touchdowns. This could very well be that game where Texas Tech rush defense is like fine, but it's not anything special. And they're going to run the ball regardless in this one. So I, I, I like Richardson at, at that price point compared when I was looking at it compared to some of these other ones. Yeah. I'm a big Richardson fan as well. I, I I have him as like a top five or six type play in terms of projections overall. And that includes quarterbacks. Um, he's just such a high usage guy in what it will be a high scoring offense. Spencer Sanders has been great for sure. Um, but he doesn't command like the passing touchdowns, generally speaking, that like others do. So I love Richardson. I love Kincaid. I, I'm curious to see what they do. Um, I liked your point earlier about how they it almost feels like he's guaranteed a touchdown. Like it if he doesn't score, it almost feels like they score 10 points, right? Like they, they so, can't run the ball effectively in the red zone. The past I've watched two games of theirs this year, and they should like I think if they're gonna get in the red zone on the you know, the six yard line, they're looking for Kincaid because they can't punch it in. Yeah, I mean he was pretty useful as the second guy to Brant Keithy, right? So like is him the lone guy? I think he could see 20% of targets easily. Um, so I like a lot of guys in that lineup. I think Kincaid is a great option. Charlie Jones, Dominic Richardson, all those guys are very, very viable options this weekend. Yes, I agree. So that concludes our bank on them segment there. Uh, and just to wrap things up, Austin, we want to thank you for coming on the show, buddy, and have a good time. Uh, is there any questions or anything that you had or anything that you're curious about when it comes to DFS or anything like that? I know we had the episode with Jared where we kind of broke down some of the stuff, but is there anything that you've always been curious about that you wanted to kind of know, uh, you know, being, being on the pod or anything like that? Yeah. I know you guys are talking about like points relative to pricing. Is it generally like what, what is gen like considered? Is there like a conversion? Like if it's a $4,000 guy and he scores like, you know, 12, which is like triple four, like, is there like some sort of math you do in your head to figure out like what would be a good score for a price point? Yeah, my uh, my general theory is that you want to divide the salary by a thousand, and you want to hit three or four x three in your tournament. Four. Okay, that's kind of what I um, assumed, but yeah, yeah, it's it, everybody's got their own kind of math that they do uh, in terms of that. But if I'm if I'm looking at a tournament play, I need to be pretty confident that he at least has a, a good outcome to hit that four x. Um, ideally, you know, you want higher than that, but if you consistently are getting all of your guys, three X, four X, you're going to see the flames on the right side of that lineup and come Saturday. And that's, that's what you want to see. Yeah. And I would add that you need the higher end guys to be closer more to three X and your lower end guys probably need to be closer to that four X, right? Like a guy like 
Antoine, uh, Antoine Littleton that we didn't talk about tonight for Maryland. Like he's 3,600. He's an insanely large man that also is a very good running back. Um, great goal line guy. Like it's hard not to like him because he's going to get goal line carries regardless. And at 3,600, he really only needs about 13, 14 points, which is close to that 4X. Whereas a guy like Bijan, he's 90, I think he's 9,000. It'd be great to get 30, you know, 36 points out of him. But I think a winning lineup with Bijan could easily have 30, 31, 32. So I think it, it kind of is different at the, the at both ends of the spectrum there. Hey, Chris, I also want to ask you real quick, what do you have Jordan Whittington? Like, do you have a projection for him this week? Because I, I, so I, when I was looking at where these targets while yours was in, I saw that yours target weight targeted Whittington, I think five or six times on like the first two drives before he went out, like he targeted him pretty heavily. And I think this pass offense will be more functional with him than they have been with card. I have him at 11.6 points, okay. 19% of targets and 6.4 total targets. Um, it's that hard to scary. say with yours, you know, like it's, you see these really, I mean, that's a great point, right? Like who likes what guy most, right? Like that's totally feasible, right? Like that's how Chuck sizzle was created out of ashes was Aiden O'Connell and his, his childhood friendship, right? So it's totally viable. 100%. Um, that's just the weird world we play in of CFF. Uh, but I have not projected yours in. So I am at that 19%. And six targets is nice. The thing is, you know, mm-hmm. Texas spreads it around a good bit. I think Jatavian Sanders is in play um, as well. I have him at 18% of targets, worthy at 25% of targets. So, like, there's a lot of options. It's more like, is Whittington 5K or is he, like, 3,900? Like, that's mm-hmm. where, for me, is where I play him because – I think it's really more of like a you're going worthy or you're going the the mid price Sanders or or Whittington. So cool. Yeah. As far as value goes, again, I was just thinking about it. With the game lineup that we have this week and the fact that we have so many high totals, you might want to increase that a little bit too. Um, my guess is that you're gonna need three hundred points to take down the uh, featured tournament in DraftKings this, this week. Um, just because we have such a great slate of of games and, and high totals and stackable offenses that you're going to find somebody who's going to hit the uh, the right combination of featured guys in this game and peripheral guys in the other game that you're going to see nearly everybody in the lineup have 30, 35 points. So I'm, I'm pre- projecting a pretty uh, aggressive week. Uh, you don't want to play the floor guys here. You, you're definitely going to want the ceiling guys. Yeah, this will be a big, I'm a, obviously, game uh, uh, stack fan. Anytime I can stack, I stack. There's always a naked bow, as I'm always in play, right? Always I mean, naked bow. Especially if it's And now Jalen Daniels you now is turning out naked. That's crazy. Tell the wife to go away for a minute. It's time for <laughs> naked bow. It's time um, But I think this slate, there's so many great, like high totals that I think you almost have to run it back. And I hate doing it because you really peg yourself to like a specific game script. And sometimes that just doesn't happen. 
But I think considering of the, I think there's like 13 games, right? Like maybe one game you can ignore, like Wisconsin Northwestern, maybe three teams you can ignore. Like in general, it's really hard to not think that they're going to play off of each other, right? You're going to need the correlation. You're going to need, if you're going for the big one, if you're just trying to cash, I wouldn't do it, right? But if you're trying to hit that big win, you need, you know, the quarterback running back, or I'm sorry, quarterback receiver of Texas Tech to go ham and that other receiver to go great, right? The other running back to go big time. So I think that's another thing to think about going to this weekend is more than last couple weekends is, is that run back. So I don't want to get too insider baseball here with you, Chris, but with the fantasy cruncher optimizer, are we, are we thinking about creating a, a new rule set with a run back in play? I mean, I would. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm, I'm testing something else this weekend, but I would totally do a, a group of, Hey, if I use, you know, if I, what I would do is I would stack all my quarterbacks that I like, you know, let's say Hendon Hooker, right? Like I would stack Hendon Hooker, but then I'd say, hey, if I use Hendon Hooker, then I need to use one of Jaden Daniels, um, maybe Josh Williams at running back, which could be super sketchy, especially since he's mid-price. Um, neighbors, booty, those types. That type of situation, 100% in play. Oof. That's that's rough. That always jams up my uh, my ownership, but I think it is necessary this week. All right. Well, I think uh, I think we did good. Austin, did you have any other questions or is that the main one that was the burning one that you had in mind? That was it. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on here. I feel like I learned something. Um, so I wish I, I I can't play my lineup in PA. So uh, I know. But um, what's the uh, closest state for you that's legal? I have no idea. I know it's not. Well, I'm, I, I think I'm it's saying, New York, maybe probably. York. And I'm like four hours from New York. Yeah, Ooh, I, I don't yeah, think West Virginia or Maryland can be played in. I know when I was down in North Carolina for that week, I could uh, yes. do some stuff. So I was tempted, but I got there like late Saturday night and then left like uh, Saturday morning. So I was like, I can't like pull the money out anyway for like prize picks and stuff even if i so i i think i did not take advantage of that unfortunately yeah there was a period of time when i was going to my in-laws at auburn in auburn Mm -hmm. and uh, years ago pre-covid i think it was maybe where it wasn't legal uh to do college maybe i think is what it was so i had to i had to jam and enter all my stuff before going for the auburn weekend to then be able to edit the lineups to play them it was very uh, it was a tough rude awakening to have to drive back 45 minutes towards my house to get some lineups in. So learn my lesson real quick. Dedication. Yes, it is the price we pay to play DFS. Uh, also tell people where they can find you. Uh, some of the stuff we got coming up to Kansas to Canton. You're the perfect guy for that. So tell them what we can look forward to, uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, so at Debbie Dietz on Twitter, everything I do is at campus to Canton.com. I, I don't uh, go anywhere else. Uh, and I'll give a. Do you want me to give a sneak peek of something we have coming out? We haven't announced sure. it at all yet. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's do it. This feels like a great show to do it on. Um, we are going to be releasing a new section of the website uh, within the next month, probably sooner than that. Um, that might be really interesting to you if you're playing um, any like you know uh, CFF Dynasty, uh, uh, really really deep Devi or, or C2C leagues in terms of. Um, uh, high school players so keep your your eyes peeled for that Ooh, that makes my other podcast very happy to hear 
we might be having to put that into play. So I'm excited to yes. hear that. We'll, we'll be chatting, I'm sure. Yes, yes, please. Uh, of course, we got Ethan and Chris. They got their articles coming out. Of course, for that subscription base as well. If you're an NIL member, you're going to get those. Um, so please check out, look out for those. And don't forget the Discord's there. So of course, if you have our membership Discord NIL, those are the ones that you want to check out. Of course, if you want to talk to us there, we can be friends. We can talk about you know uh, who you're picking on prize picks and stuff like that ahead of you know what you get there on Saturdays when everyone else is in the general chat asking stuff like that. You kind of get the advance there as well. Ethan, you got anything coming up this week? Yeah, so uh, I took a little dip in in terms of content this past week, just trying to get everything straightened out. My my kid's teething, and that's turned him into a monster on top of everything else. So uh, we love him, though. Um, yeah, so I've got my full slate of articles coming out uh, with uh, slate preview over on Fantasy Cruncher, as well as the usual articles, the stats article on Friday, uh, with the uh, Campus Canton website, as well as um, a Pride Picks article that should be dropping uh, tomorrow. Um, so got those going, uh, as well as a late slate article for the weekend uh, that should also be coming around Thursday or Friday uh, as well on, on Campus Canton. Are you worried about the pun? Are you worried about the title pun? I was going to ask, is there you any know? pun? Butt puns coming. That's what I'm going. I to haven't. Ask. I haven't taken a look at the late flight, but uh, <laughs> something. You know, it's Jeff Goldblum. He knew what he was saying. Life finds a way. So uh, I think. I think we'll find something that works. Got a big shoes to fill, though, Chris. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Yep. I'm excited for the puns. They're one of my favorites, and you should look forward to it as well. But until next time, we will see you next week, guys. Peace. <laughs>